Goes again. He hits it hard. He hits it. He's got it up for a 60. Betty has. Test 100, number 19 for Ross Taylor. Nervous 90s? No way. Four. Surmising here. We're only speculating. We're not 100% sure, so we will wait on final confirmation of what has happened to Ross Taylor. But from that moment on... Good at it. 248 Taylor. And that'll be 250. The New Zealander. He's certainly back in form in a... Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Um, big guest today. Um, normally, I would say from the other side of the world, New Zealand, but he's actually just uh, managed to fly into the, safely fly into the Caribbean for the uh, the Premier League out there. Welcome, I say, to Ross Taylor. Yes, how are you, mate? Thanks for having me. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, pleasure, to, pleasure to have you have you with us. Uh, life's been, it's been a bit of a strange, strange time. I know in New Zealand, you get back to normal a little bit quicker than the, the rest of the world but how, how's, how's it been in general yeah i mean um obviously this covid's come on pretty quickly and and strange times for everybody but um you know we went into lockdown very quickly and and i think it was a as a success but um unfortunately in the last few days we've, we've had a few um a few more cases in new zealand and uh, when you're over the other side of the world you um you feel a bit helpless you know not being able to contribute or help out the family from this side but uh, hopefully it's not so bad and um, you know everyone in, around the world are, are dealing with uh, similar things so um, you know hopefully it does, it's it's not around for too long. Yeah um, just before we continue I forgot there I need to give a shout out I'm rocking a new t-shirt today um, it says Shaky Sports Journeys I've also got the old Black Lives Matter on the sleeve and I'd like to give a shout out to my good friend Rennie Keith from PSL Team Sports, who kindly donated me this T-shirt, so I wanted to get that get that in there as well. Look, it must have been a great time for you, though, bro, because you um you you you've got three three lovely children. You travel the world constantly, so it must have been really really nice to get some time at home with them. Yeah, it was um, fantastic. It was the longest I've ever spent at home, especially in my professional career. Um, so it was nice to um, you know I suppose reconnect with the kids and and just do normal things. Where when you are at home, you're um, I was actually able to unpack my bags for the first time. Um, you know, I just live out of a suitcase. Even if I'm home for a couple of weeks, I don't normally unpack. But um, the weather at home was pretty good. Um, so it was nice to, you know, we were able to walk around and um, get out of your place where I think, you know, parts of Europe, you, you were you were housebound. So, yeah. um, no, it was really, it was really, really good. And, um, yeah, something, uh, I suppose, at this time of your career, you, you need to play, but it's... Um, you know, to, I guess to keep your muscles going, but uh, at the same time, it was really good to, so I guess keep the the mind fresh and, and I guess willing to hopefully go further on in, in my career in, in years to come. No, brilliant, brilliant. So uh, for the viewers, I'm sure you all know who this man is, Ross Taylor, um, former New Zealand cricket captain, New Zealand Test ODI T20 legend, um, just some of the teams that you played for, Central Stags. Delhi Daredevils in the IPL, Durham, Jamaica, Middlesex, Rajasthan Royals, Royal Challengers, Bangalore. I could name a few more, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. Um, you were born 8th of March 1984. You've got a fellow 84 man here as well. You're about, a couple of months older than me in October. Um, tell me about your, your childhood, your family background, and what, 
where did you grow up and what it was like growing up? Yeah, well, I suppose a lot of people, um, unless they look at like Crick Info or, um, you know, when I'm batting, my first name is actually Luteru. Uh, I'm, I'm proud, uh, I'm part Samoan. Uh, my mother's from Samoa and my dad's a Kiwi. Uh, my dad played cricket growing up, so that's where I got the cricketing gene from. But uh, yeah, when I, was, when I was five years old, I, um, I went to school, met the principal with my mother and my grandmother. And the principal couldn't um, pronounce my name, Lutero. So uh, my grandmother said, just call him Ross. And uh, yeah, I've been called Ross Taylor ever since. But uh, yeah, um, I suppose I don't know any different, but it, it would be a little bit strange if I was called Lutero uh, Taylor. Um, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, I'm sure if we were to do this now, I think New Zealand's come a long way since, since the 80s when I went to school. Um, you know, I think I would be called Lutero if... Uh, yeah, well, because when you think now. about it, a lot of sports people now in New Zealand are from, you know, uh, I don't know enough about the makeup of it, but there's obviously... In the rugby, I think there's more than there is in the, in the cricket side of things. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, r- rugby and, and rugby league, I guess. The, you know, the people from, um, from the Pacific are generally quite big. Um, and you know can yeah. really use their size to the advantage in rugby and rugby league, and I'm sure you know not only in New Zealand and, and Australia, um, but you know there's a lot of Polynesians playing, and um, obviously the Super League um, in the UK and, and and rugby, you know, all over Scotland, Wales, um, and the UK, Ireland. Uh, there's a lot of Polynesians, um, you know, playing playing rugby and rugby league. So do you think you think obviously you've, you've touched on there the fact that the principal struggled to, to pronounce your name. Did you face any kind of like growing up initially, you know, early days, like you say, back in the eighties? Was it a little bit, you know, was it was a little, maybe a little bit of discrimination back then, or and times have changed as the years have gone on? Uh, I don't know. I suppose as a as a kid, you just um, it is what I, I just got on with it. I didn't see myself as any different. My mother obviously had a bit of colour, and my my dad was white, so um, I didn't I didn't see any any of that. And I mean. You know, I, I interacted with both uh, sides of family. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think, um, you know, you just go out there to play sport and, and turn up turn up to school to eat your lunch. But, um, you know, apart from that, um, you know, I didn't really, I didn't feel like I was any different. Well, that's good. I mean, you look at New Zealand now as a country. I mean, they're like a, you know, you're like a benchmark for the way that I would like to see the rest of the world go. I mean, you've got a, an amazing... Uh, amazing Prime Minister um, and you know you're, you're such a, a loving country and um, it's so diverse and I, I think it's uh, I think it's great for any sports people coming up coming up in New Zealand it must be really good opportunities for everybody if you're you know you look at South Africa and some of these other countries there's still a lot of political stuff that goes on but New Zealand certainly doesn't doesn't strike me as that kind of country yeah I think um, you know it's like anything I think we're a very multicultural diverse um, nation um, and you can see that in our in our sports teams as well. I think um, you go through our cricket team. I think we played a test match in um, in the UAE against Pakistan, and um, out of the the starting eleven, um, six of them were born out of out of New Zealand. So you know that's the way um, New Zealand is. It's um, you know there's a lot of immigration, and, and and I suppose it's nice for a lot of people to want to come and, and live in our country. But um, in saying that, uh, you know. In times and years to come, I'm sure it's going to be even more prevalent, um, and I guess you know add to um, add to New Zealand as a nation. No, brilliant, brilliant. So tell me, you know, 
childhood, when did what was the bat was the bat in the hand from a very young age? Yeah, I um as I said, my dad played cricket, so I used to turn up and, and watch him and um I was quite a small kid growing up. Most Kiwi most New Zealand kids wanna you know, play for the All Blacks. Um I was a bit smaller so I wanted to um I guess play for the Black Caps or the New Zealand cricket team. Um, I was five years old when I started. Um, 92 World Cup was probably, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it was a, a massive d deal. New Zealand played really well, made the semi-final. And I suppose that was a, a catalyst for me to try and, you know, hopefully one day um, play, f play for New Zealand. Did I realistically think I could do it? Probably not. But um, the dream was there right from a, a young age. And, um, and obviously... Um, I'm here to, to tell my story. Yeah, you know that same, same Roscoe '92 World Cup. Obviously, I come. I've got some Pakistani blood in me. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was I was on. Uh, you know what? I checked. What a memory! But you know the amount of people that talk about the '92 World Cup is it was like a, a really special World Cup. It just it just had a bit of everything in it. Um, and you boys played it. You played. I mean, Martin Crowe's the guy that I remember really well from back then. What a player um, for New Zealand. And it was a great game against Pakistan in the semi-final. Uh, but thankfully, Enzima Mohak turned up and, and played played the knock of his life to take us to the final. But I think it was written in the stars that Imran Khan was going to was going to lead Pakistan to to triumph in that World Cup. But it's amazing to hear you say that that was kind of your first memory of like you no know, start what to start to get the cricket. So where where did you then go? Where, you know what what was the kind of early represent? Did you, what club did you play for? You know where you were growing up from, and, and when did you start getting into representative stuff? Yeah, so I played my. Started playing when I was five, and I turned up my first team. We had training, and then we turned up, and I none of my teammates turned up. Or we didn't have a team, so I ended up playing with older kids, and that was almost the um, what it was growing up in a small rural town um, in New Zealand. I was always playing with kids older than me, and I'm I'm pretty confident that that was a a, a big part of um, my learning and, and making me a better player. Playing from playing with kids older than me from a young age, uh, and having to. I guess deal with the failures that come with that, but at the same time wanting to get better and, and, and learn off them. Um, I played hockey as well. I started playing hockey at eight. Um, so that's probably where those um, league side shots come from. Uh, blame, my, blame my hockey. But um, my first representative, I played for Central District's age group when I was 12 um, and then just went right through the age groups. Um, started off as an off spinner, batted at 10. And by the end of the tournament, I was um, still bowling, but... Um, I ended up batting at five, so uh, yeah, it was always always like batting better than bowling, and um, I guess it, I'm I'm glad that I got a couple of test wickets, but uh, batting was always my first love. No, absolutely. So, who who would you have played for then? You know, in the is it, you were for, what was it? Stags is is that the is that the setup you came through? And yeah, so so Central Districts or the Stags? That's the the first class team, I guess. Um, yeah. There's Central Districts is a strange union in New Zealand and the fact that it, um, there, there's eight provinces, but it's six provinces are in the North Island. It skips Wellington and then it takes in the top of the South Island. So, you know, uh, geographically, we're very tough um, to assemble. But um, I think at the same time, um, that plays in our favour. We, we get on really well as a team. We spend a lot more time than other teams do. Um, but that, as I said before, I think that, that probably plays in our favour and we get on really well and... Um, that, that contributes into, to, I think, a very good uh, team dynamic and, and camaraderie. New Zealand Under-19 World Cup in New Zealand. 
I believe you were captain. Am I right in saying? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 17. It was, it was in New Zealand. Yeah, so. you were very young. You were going to say, because I went to the same World Cup as a 17-year-old. So you were a very young captain there. They must have, you know, that's impressive. Yeah, it was, um, I guess it came with added responsibility in New Zealand. Um, we, had, we had a lot of guys who went on to play uh, for some first-class cricket for New Zealand and, and a few of us, you know, went on to play um, international cricket as well. But, um, no, that was a, it was a fantastic, um, I guess, experience and been able to represent your country in New Zealand. But um, it was quite funny at the time. I think a lot of guys probably rather it had been overseas, but um, at the same time, I think it was nice for, for us to have our family and friends there to, to support us where, you know, theoretically at that age, um, there wouldn't have been many parents I would have thought that would have travelled overseas to come and watch. Who, who, how did you... My memory... Uh, I mean, we, we went home pretty early, mate. We, uh, we played the Windies in, uh, in Australia. Um, and we beat Kenya. But we, we got thumped by the Aussies in the, in the West Indies and we went into the plate and then we headed off. How did New Zealand, if you, if you remind me, how did you guys do? Uh, we got knocked out in the Super super 8s. Uh, okay. I, I think it was South Africa and it was a South Africa-Australia final and we, yeah. we, we, had them, we, we had them in our pool. So um, we, had a, we had a close game against South Africa and, um, and probably, probably should have won. But uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the Cameron White-led um, uh, Australia team were just far too good for everybody else. And, yeah. Um, and, and I think probably, you know, deserved to deserved to win. And, and a lot of those guys did go on to, to higher levels, um, as did um, the South African team and, and a few others from, from obviously other nations as well. So just before we move on, who were the boys in your team that went on to play international? Uh, Rob Nicholl, uh, yeah. Neil Broom, um, Michael Bates played a played a few games uh, for New Zealand, but there was a there's quite a few guys. There's probably a few that I'm missing off the top of my head. Or Jesse Ryder, obviously had a um, played a lot of games for New Zealand. But uh, yep. no, there was um, no, there was it was a good uh, good side, and uh, you know a few guys. Um, you know, obviously, I think majority of them, if not only one or two, probably never went on to represent their province. As a 17-year-old, just before we go on, though, as a 17-year-old, that's a lot of responsibility, on a, on, when you're, especially when you're captaining guys that are older than you. It's different when you're in a senior team, but when you're in a junior team, that age barrier is quite big. I mean, I remember going to that World Cup, I was the same age as you were, and I was a baby, like one of the babies of the team. Did you have the respect of your, of your peers there then? Yeah, I think, um, I think what made it easier, I played in the New Zealand under-19 team the year before, when I was 16. So I think that... Um, I guess there was there was a bit of respect that I'd played for the team beforehand, and and it had almost been a succession plan from New Zealand cricket. I was vice captain at um, sixteen uh, mm-hmm. under Brendan McCallum um, mm-hmm. on the sort of um, provision that you know all going well and all, all things being equal um, that I would captain the team, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a year's time. Yeah, no, brilliant. Okay, so before we go into your launch into the you know, the big, big numbers and the, the amazing things you've done in your career to date. Uh, I want to touch on a time where, how, uh, how, I came across, how, how we came across each other. Um, and I want to start in a really nice piece because I remember the first day I arrived at the MCC Young Cricketers, uh, 17 years old, just come back from the World Cup, um, feeling very kind of, feeling quite nervous, you know, away from home. And the first guy that approached me was your good self. Uh, you came up to me, you know, straight away and you said to me, look, I know this is a, probably a big change for you. You're moving away from home. 
look, my door's only a couple of doors down. You're always welcome to pop in. Um, and I just think at the time, as a bit of a cheeky upstart 17-year-old, I didn't quite appreciate what what you were actually what you actually said to me there. But in years years down the line, you really do look back and remember, you know, that you were a you were you were, you were a top top bloke. You were rooming with a lad called Brooke. I'm pretty sure it was a lad called Brooke. <laughs> yeah, he was he was he was my roommate. I he was in the under nineteen team with me. Um, he he went over to play club cricket, and when I New Zealand cricket give a scholarship every year, um, I think they've only just started bringing it back in the last couple of years. Um, when I found out that mm-hmm. uh, I was going over and, and he was going to stay in the same hostel at Old High on, um, he said, you know, should we room together? So I'd been to boarding school so um, for a couple of years, so been away from home, didn't really... Um, All right, okay, wasn't, I guess wasn't, that wasn't, you were used to. So I w- it wasn't as daunting, I don't think, for me. Um, I think it was more daunting or maybe a bit of being a bit more naive um, going from a a town of 20,000 to a population of, you know, whatever Londoners, seven, 10, 12 million people. Um, yeah. But I was just, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to pursue cricket as a living. And, um, you know, that was at the time the, the best way. And um, for me to, I guess, learn my craft. If but I, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember that. I think my memory is normally good, but. Um, well, listen, you've, nice. you've, you've, you've met a lot of people since then, and I'm sure you've had many good conversations like that along the way. So that, you know, it was a long time ago. Before I go into the cricket side of things, I want to let the viewers know of a, of a, of a funny memory I've got with you. So we'd been, in the, we'd been in the hostel for maybe four months, five months. Um, I was by now pretty comfortable in my surroundings, getting up to a bit of no good and, you know, just annoying people in general, to be honest. I was quite annoying when I was that age. And I decided to do something that really I shouldn't have taken on. So you had popped out your room for a second. And if you remember, right, there was a big lad. Oh, I can't even, can't, I can't even remember his name now. He was the door across from me. And I went to him and I said, I'm going to play a prank on Roscoe here. And you had left Den, the room. Any, and Danny I O'Brien. And I, threw, I, put some water on your, I put some water on your mattress. That was <laughs> Actually, the biggest this is mistake. Coming. That was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life because about five minutes later, there was this Samoan topless lad banging on my door. I opened the door. Thankfully, you didn't fill me in. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't beat me up. And it was just a look of terror. I got given a look like, you do anything like that again. And I was like, hands up the air. I'm sorry, Roscoe, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, the memory of... I also remember one day in the changing room, you did the hacker. And... Bloody hell! You had the whole changing room a little bit on edge. I mean, you really you brought that you brought the fire with that with that hacker. But what I remember initially was when you first came over, you struggled a wee bit on the old English conditions. I mean, in the second eleven trophy and stuff like that that we were playing in, you'd initially you, nobody really got uh, uh, nobody early doors got to see exactly what you were capable of. What's your memory of that? Yeah, I think um, probably. Something that I'll, I'll never forget was in, in June. Uh, Clive Radley, our coach at the time, he said, Kiwi, um, you know, I'd been struggling and he, I don't know if this was a good excuse for him to just let me out of the team, but he said um, that there was an MCC tour to Croatia, Slovenia and Austria leaving on Tuesday. This was a Monday. Yep. He said, uh, um, uh, it's a C tour. A guy broke his thumb. He bowls off spin and bats a little bit right-handed. So would you like to go over there? So here I am, this naive Kiwi, uh, never, never really seen the world, end up going to play cricket in Croatia, Slovenia and Austria. 
And I think that was sort of, that was probably the best thing for me. I, I guess the wickets flattened up a little bit, but I think it was nice to just let my hair down a little bit and not put as much pressure on myself. Because, you know, I think if I was, to be honest, I think my top score up until about June would have been no more than 60 odd. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the ball obviously moving around a little bit, um, being pretty raw and, and wanting to play that attacking game. Um, but, you know, learning over time that, you know, you can't, you can't play that the way you do in New Zealand the whole time. So, um, no, I, do, I d- definitely do remember that. And um, just playing with the juke ball, I think, was, was something that um, was so different to, to what I experienced playing with the Kookaburra back home in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, we had a good team. There was a good squad there, obviously. Uh, one of my previous guests was there with us as well, Darren Sammy, who'd obviously just come back from the Under-19 World Cup as well. We've all seen what he's went on to do. Um, there was a lot of good, lot of good, lot of good players in that squad. I remember a game. I think it was Bucks we played, and that was like the first time that I started realizing this guy's a serious, this guy Ross Taylor's a serious player. Uh, we were playing in a game, and you got that mid wicket, your your trademark over mid over mid wicket for six, and it wasn't just going for six that day. It was going miles back. You got a hundred and about, I think it was like fifty six, fifty odd balls. Um, and that kind of really, everybody I remember sitting that day and were just like, whoa, Kiwi, he's a de- this guy's, this guy's dangerous. But I guess you all need to learn your, you need to learn your, your trade. And you, you were coming from probably very different conditions to the, to the English. I probably knew the English conditions better than you at that point, coming from Scotland, used to playing in the damp conditions. But, you know, what, what would you say, and, and, you know, was that a great, great learning for you to go on and be a professional cricketer? Oh, 100%. I think not only the conditions, I think just being able to play day in, day out. Back home, you just play on the weekend, train during the week, and I guess your, your main events, your Saturday and Sunday. Um, every now and then you would play some representative cricket. Um, but, you know, playing day in, day out, I didn't actually play club cricket. So my weekends were, were, were free. We had our, the odd Sunday game. But more often than not, you would play, you know, Monday to Friday, um, work at work at, um, at Lords for the Test Match in one day is, and I guess just living the dream. I, I can't think of a better job than at 18 years old turning up to, to Lords, catching the 45, I think, at the time. Yeah, that's down, right. um, Going and putting on your, your suit and tie and, um, you know, it's you know, a, lot, a lot different to what you're used to uh, as a Kiwi. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something that definitely prepared me um, in a good way for something that I wanted to do. And if anything, I think fast-tracked me into, um, you know, earning a right. We, you know, I hadn't played first-class cricket then, but, um, you know, getting back from there, playing playing twos to go and um, experiencing first-class cricket in New Zealand. Um, I guess the green seamers in New Zealand, you know, still do a lot, but it's not quite the same as a green seamer with juke balls. Yeah. So you went back, you, you, you got started in first-class cricket pretty much as soon as you got back? Yeah, we um, there was a it was a an interesting time in New Zealand cricket because we had just had a strike. It was our first time we, cricket at domestic level was still probably semi-professional to to amateur, um, but it was a big strike. And I was um, you know as an eighteen-year-old was a little bit different. It's obviously we're on strike. The season might be called off, and then all the boards were playing each other off, saying, "Well, you know, we're not going to pick people who are um, reneging." But everything sorted itself out. Um, you know, I didn't didn't start the season, um, but by by Christmas, uh, I st- I played a few one days and and started. I finished off the season playing first class cricket. So, um, you know, big 
a big um, part of that was, you know, definitely my learnings at the MCC and, um, and I guess a little bit of the World Cup as well. You must have hit the, hit the ground pretty well running because um, you made your New Zealand debut, not too, I mean, 1st of March 2006. Um, take your memory back now. I'm going to test your memory because the next, the next couple of questions, a good, good amount of questions here are going to be right, right back. Um, I'm sure you haven't forgotten your debut though. It was against the West Indies um, and you scored 15. So at least you didn't have a golden duck or anything on your debut. Uh, and, New Zealand, and New Zealand won the game. What's your memory of that of that day? Yeah, it was... Um, I, I got a call about three days before that. Um, I'd score, I was a top run scorer in the one-day competition uh, in New Zealand. And I was at a UB40 concert with um, uh, Jeff Barnett, who played for Central Districts and, and Canada. And um, my wife... Or girlfriend at the time, and mm -hmm. Min Patel, he was uh, Kent, Kent Legend, yeah. and we're at a UB40 concert, and uh, you know, I was too busy um, dancing away to uh, red, red wine, and I missed the phone call from Sir Richard Hadley to tell me that I had <laughs> um, made the New Zealand team. It wasn't until after the concert that I'd realised it, so that was pretty cool, flying in to play at, at Napier, which is our Central District's home ground, uh, yeah. and only, only a couple of hours away from home, so you know, it was nice to have a lot of family and friends come and, and watch your first game. Um, mm -hmm. I was batting at four, I think, um, and I can remember being pretty nervous the whole time. And um, I think Nathan Astle and Lou Vincent went on to get 100. So I, didn't, I had to wait till about the 42nd over to even get a bat. Okay. Um, I can remember blocking my first ball and thinking what you thought. At least I can say I didn't get a golden <laughs> duck. I was, pretty, uh, I was pretty relieved. And... Uh, I can remember, I think, uh, hit Dwayne Smith down to mid-on for one um, and my first international run and, and something I'll never forget. Oh, well, you're, well, we're going to go on and talk about, about many more of them because you've scored, uh, you've scored a fair few since then. December 2006, so only within about six months of making your debut, uh, you scored your maiden ODI century in front of a delighted uh, Napier crowd um, again. Home kind of would have must have been a lovely feeling. You must have had a few family and friends in to see that hundred. Yeah, it was a few, and if anything, you go back to my first game uh, because I was so nervous. I was going to the toilet all the time. Um, <laughs> I waited forty overs. Where in that game I was in the early doors, um, and I, I I was pretty dehydrated to start off with. I was pretty nervous. Um, I'd only had a couple of week books at about seven thirty. It was 11 o'clock start, um, so I'd had two wheat books, not much, not much drink or water the whole the whole day, and then come about 2:30, uh, 2:45, I was cramping up, getting my okay. first hundred, and um, I didn't even field in that game because I was I was so dehydrated and I needed to go on a drip, so that was Bloody a little hell. bit embarrassing, um, and probably learnt learnt a lot not necessarily from batting, but also the other sides of, um, you know, nutrition and hydration and things, which, uh, you know, I probably learned the hard way that day. Yeah. No, so for anybody listening, dehydrate, rehydrate yourself beforehand. Plenty of Weetabix was, I like the Weetabix. The Weetabix was good, but I don't think that's what the problem was. I think it was the fluids. Yeah, well, I think it's more the, you know, you have two Weetabix and, you got nothing. There was no food in between. You, you still got a snack, and 
Yeah. Um, and I guess you know nutrition has come a long way since I first started, and the yeah. and the technology, the you know the tablets, the um, the squeezies, the protein bars, and um, protein shakes and things were sort of just coming in when when I was starting there, or or maybe yeah. we were just a little bit behind everybody else. But um, and it's funny to look back on it. Uh, well, I guess you know those little mistakes that you made, which um, you know touch wood you wouldn't make now. Yeah. Yeah. You go on. Um, now, this must have been quite a big knock for you. Uh, you're playing the Commonwealth Bank Series against Australia not too long after that. Um, you, made a, you made an 84 vs Australia. Now, growing up, I'm assuming that was kind of like your benchmark. You want to do it for a Kiwi. It must be like you want to do well against the Aussies. Oh, 100%. I think, um, I think knocking that first 100 off made me believe I just, you know, I that I deserved to be there and, and could succeed. But it wasn't until you travel overseas and, and that was my first game overseas. So, you know, you- Where was that? Sorry, where was that game again? Where was the game? It was in, uh, that was in Tasmania. So um, once again, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't eat and hydrate as probably as much as I, I should have as well. But um, that was one of the best I batted, I think. Um, 80 odd against a, a, good, a good Australian lineup um, and we're chasing 300. Um, but yes, definitely as a kid, watching Australian cricket was, um, you know, you just grew up watching it. It was at a good time yeah. zone. Obviously, all the greats and, and one of my favourite players growing up was Mark Walk. So um, it was nice to go over there and, and succeed and, and know, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually not, not too bad. Uh, I probably could give this a, a good go. Yeah. No, but you, you, when you do something like that, I'd imagine against a team like that, it gives you gives you so much confidence. It was kind of around, or not too long after that, that you started forming a partnership with a, a not a bad player either, um, in Ken Williamson, uh, Ken number three. And I know for New Zealand now, for as long as I can remember, it's Williamson at three, Taylor at four. You know, how's that, how's that been for you? You must have helped each other, you know, through, the, through your careers. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Um... I was, uh, McCallum and Vittori were, were taking a break, so I captained um, Kane's first first one-day game. Um, okay. And I thought, you know, he was only 20, and I'd be batting at four, and I I thought, I can't let a 20-year-old go and bat at number three. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not fair. So yeah. we actually swapped over. I, he went, he batted at four, I batted at oh, two. Right. okay, okay. So um, in his first game, and he got a, I think he got a duck. So that wasn't... Maybe I should have kept him at three, um, but no, I think um, you know he, you know he he's turned out to be a, a fantastic player. We all we all knew he was going to be a very good player, um, but the way he's he's just continued to set the benchmark for New Zealand um, and and the world has been fantastic. And we can't off, we can't often say in New Zealand that we have genuine world class um, players, but but he's been great, and, and I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, learning off him and, and batting with him, but at the same time, you know, I think I think we complement each other really well, and um, and we've got uh, you know, I guess three and four. I think um, a lot of the Indians uh, quite often remind you, the fans remind you of how um, of what the records are, and and a lot of them are Kane Williamson fans. So you know, there's a stat that came out the other day. I think um, Sharma and um, Coley had. 2300 run stands and um, and Kane and I had 2300 run stands. So uh, no, we definitely we definitely uh, enjoy batting together and and hopefully over over the coming years and 
and, and I'm still good enough and fit enough to be there that we can uh, add to that challenge. No, he's both, both. I mean, he's a he's an unbelievable servant for New Zealand cricket. I actually got the pleasure at the other side of the world in Whangarei, where I met you one many years ago as well. Um, Andy Moles was a coach at ND, so I'd come over to meet Andy Moles and I had to, I got to have a quick chat with you. But both you and Kane got fifties that day. It was just a pleasure to sit and watch, sit and watch both of you bat, and what you've gone on to do is is incredible. Another century. Again, and this one must have been, again, a very proud moment. Um, 18th of February, 2007, against the Aussies. 117, you knocked. You know, what, you know that's a, that must have been a great feeling as well. Yeah, I think, um, once again, it was, it was... I think we chased down 230 or 240 that day. So, it was a, it was a record chase at the time. And, um, once again, you know, playing against... Um, and I probably... I should have... I forgot to mention it. Probably one of the best things about that Tasmania knock was, um, you know, some of the guys that you grow up watching, um, you know, Hayden and Gilchrist and Simons and Clark and Ponting, and them sledging you. I think that, that was, I think that was one of my highlights of the game. Um, and then it was no, no different, you know, the next the next game and um, Sean Tate coming in and bowling 149, 159 clicks and McGrath and, and Watson. It was, I, I don't know, sort of. You know, thinking about then, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but um, it was it was a hell of an enjoyable run, and it was nice to to win our Chapel Hadley series and uh, and, and take it two 0 No, but you were never. Um, I'd imagine you would have handled yourself pretty well, because from what I remember of you, you're a pretty tough, pretty tough bloke. Actually, it's quite funny recently. You and Tim, uh, you and Tim Payne had a bit of banter. We'll get on and talk about that, not. But you know, you hear it quite well on the stump, mate. Um, and I, I think you give them a couple of couple of lines back, he gives you a couple, but you're always wanting to be able to, to, to take it and dish it and, and dish it back. I don't normally uh, I don't normally get dish it up, but uh, I don't know. Depends on the I guess depends on the game situation and, and your mood, yeah. whether you've had a whether you've had a good or bad sleep that night, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you then went on um, and you, you launched yourself into test cricket uh, March two thousand and eight at lovely Hamilton. Against the, the against the Poms, against the English, um, you scored uh, your maiden Test century. Again, must have been a, a special moment. And to get to score both your first hundreds and both formats in New Zealand must have been just such a special feeling. Yeah, I think that was. Um, you, know, you talk about my first hundred. I think I was very fortunate to so get my first hundred in my third ODI, and then and then my third Test match. I think that. International cricket's, a, I think, a massive, massive thing is believing you should be there. And I think that's where I got my belief um, after that innings that I didn't want to just be a white ball player. 2020 cricket had sort of just started to come in. Um, yeah. I still wanted to make a name for myself in test cricket. I, I, I had, my average in first class cricket was okay, uh, but it wasn't. It was probably high 30s, uh, but it wasn't fantastic. So, um, you know, to, to, get it, to get it against, um, once again, those first few years of international cricket, you played against guys you watched, so that was always a little bit strange. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Harmison, Hoggard, um, you know, all these all these people who you know had amazing careers, and um, you know, the Ashes of two thousand and five um, was mm -hmm. still sort of in my mind. But so was Flintoff, I think back big Freddie Flintoff, would he have been would he have been bowling as well then? Yeah, I think he was injured. Um, I don't. I think we had played against him in the one days. But I hadn't, I hadn't played against him. I think he, 
he must have got injured or something because he didn't. I, I don't think he played in the Test match. But I think the all rounder was Collingwood. So okay. Collingwood and Hannister. Um, but yeah, it was uh, probably one of the things I do remember about that series was the Barmy Army. Actually, the Barmy Army. Um, I don't know if it's because the pound has got so weak and, and it's not as it's not as good to come out to New Zealand and whatnot. But um, you know, the the Barmy Army was they made that series and um, yeah. it was something. I'll never forget the the hundred, but the way that the the Barmy Army, the way they sung their songs, I think I knew their songs fluently by the end of it. <laughs> by the end of it, and then when we came to England, that uh, well, that winter for us, but obviously summer for it was nice to, you know, when we're playing at some of the warm up games, uh, some of those songs are being sung by the by the members and, and, and some of the warm up grounds, which is quite fun. Well, look, at, so I think looking at your career, that you said you hadn't scored very many in first class. Do you think the fact that you got a hundred? Early doors in ODI cricket made the selectors think we need to have a look at this guy in Test cricket as well. Yeah, I think it was definitely it was definitely my rate of um, international one day runs that that gave me the opportunity to play Test cricket. It wasn't um, like I, I was probably there thereabouts in, in first class as being like the next cab off the rank, but I don't think it was like I wasn't averaging forty five or fifty um, mm-hmm. to deserve my spot. Um, I think I was definitely picked on potential. Um, more so than, than weight of runs. Must be a good feeling though to get a couple, like you said, a couple of tons early doors there. You know, some guys, you know, by the time you get to seven, eight, nine, ten international innings, especially at the top level, questions are going to start getting asked. But to get a couple of tons early doors, that's probably cemented you. Not that, not that that's the way you, you never settled for that, but it must have just gave you the confidence, gave you the boost, and from there you've just, uh, you've just launched on. Yeah, I think so. And we, the only problem with that, the end of that series um, against England, we won the first test and then we lost the next two. But we Fleming retired and we had we had quite a few senior players, especially batters, um, retire. So by the time we'd hit, we'd finished that series and went back to England, uh, IPL started in between then and then we went to England, was I'd gone from, I guess, uh, a rookie in the team to being one of the senior batsmen in the space of three test matches. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, five test matches, I suppose, at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a learning curve. I went up to went up to four, um, where I batted a lot of time at five, and um, and had to learn quick. Yeah, um, and you know the baptism of fire. You know, facing um, that was when England was sort of changing their guard in terms of you know Broad and Anderson were coming in, and yeah, and Hanson and Hoggard were sort of getting getting pushed to the side. So, um, <laughs> once again, I guess the that first test at Lords to go back to the to the home of cricket and, um, and you know, my first day, my first, my first day of the test uh, when I was on the MCC and they told me to go and see the Donkey Derby. Uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to go and watch the Donkey Derby uh, at the Grace Gates for the first test, but uh, it was definitely something um, that I'll never forget. And, and if anything, I was probably a bit overawed by um, I guess the place in itself, but obviously being there as an MCC young cricketer as well. Yeah, did you did you meet good old Clyde Bradley while you were while you were over and while you played that test? I think um, I think every time I play a test match, Rads and I do something for Sky every time we play there. So he's probably okay. um, he's probably sick of it. They, or they could just play they could just play um, the one from two thousand and eight or uh, you know. 2013 or 15 or whatever it was. Yeah. So, um, no, it's always good. And, um, 
you know, I've been fortunate enough to play for a, for a lot of counties as well, and, and played at Middlesex last year, and it was nice mm-hmm. to to go back and, um, you know, when you're when you're with the young cricketers, you obviously always train or either side of um, the international teams, but also Middlesex. So it was nice to to tick that off the list as well to to play uh, at Lords as a as a YC an international cricketer, but um, as a local domestic player for um, for Middlesex as well. No, brilliant, brilliant. You went on then and uh, and scored a nice nice big century at Old Trafford, uh, lovely Manchester, 154. May two thousand and eight must have been a must have been a, a nice feeling. Yeah, I think probably um, today it's still one of the best my best innings in any format. I think um, I was doing quite a bit, and um, you know Manchester wicket goes the other way now. But um, I'll I'll never forget it, and the fact that um, Daniel Flynn, uh, one of our I think he was batting five or six at the time, playing in his first Test series, and I'll never forget that. Um, he he got he got his face caved in by Anderson. Um, so for so for you know a good a good part of that innings, you were batting with blood around the crease, which um, was the second time I'd had to do that. But um, no, it wasn't a wasn't a great time uh, yeah. to be to, to be there. But um, if anything, um, you know, made you made you watch the ball a lot harder <laughs> and, um, and things like that. But uh, no, it was definitely it was definitely one of the best innings of. I've played today, I feel. No, it's, uh, you, you, you like a big hundred because you, you go on and get your third test century. Um, and what I like about when I'm looking at your career, Roscoe, and looking at you know all the amazing things you've done, you know, some people do really well against one or two teams. It's the way that you, I mean, you hold a record, we'll talk about that in a second, but you, you've scored runs against all, all teams. Is that something you set out specifically that you wanted to be a guy that scored runs against all countries? Um, I think, uh, I suppose we're going to different stories, but w- when I was growing up, um, there's a saying over here in New Zealand, you don't want to be an all black, you want to be a, a great all black. Um, yep. and that was something that my dad, my dad instilled, you know, he said, if you ever play for New Zealand, don't just, don't just represent New Zealand, be a, be a great, be a great player. So that yep. was always in the back of my mind to try and be as best as I could. And, and if I did, if I did become uh, a good player to try and be, um, to be a as great a player as I could possibly be, um, and don't just settle for, um, you know, being a good New Zealand player. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was my that was my my goal, um, and I suppose you don't get hundreds very often. So when you do, when you do get them, you got to make the most, and, and ne- I guess never be satisfied to um, to go on and and I guess make it a big big hundred or or a daddy hundred as they like to say in, in the UK. Yeah. So one five one again. You like um, you like batting at Napier against India. You scored a you scored a nice one fifty to follow up the one five four at Old Trafford. Is Napier a ground that you you like? You, you, you really love batting at? Yeah, well, it's um, it's a nice hard bouncy wicket, and the square boundaries are very short, so uh, it's very um, very easy uh, to get a bit carried away and hit 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 square. But um, if I remember that day, we were um, we were we won the toss and um, and batted batted first, and we were three for twenty. So uh, not the not the greatest decision, but then uh, Jesse Ryder and I got got a good partnership together, and, and Jesse got his first two hundred. And you know, I grew up with Jesse, and um, you know, I thought he batted fantastically well that game. Um, 
once again, we, we probably didn't get the right result we would have liked, but um, Gambier saved the test for Gambier and Laxman saved the test for India. And I think Gambier got 120 off 460 balls. Um, to, to have that discipline, to bat that long and, and to be... It wasn't until the game was safe that he actually started playing a few shots. So um, I could only dream about batting that many balls. How much can you chuck somebody to try and make them make a mistake? By the time he's faced about 250 balls, you probably just gave up. Like, there's no point in the game. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was still early on in my career, so I didn't really know any different. But, um, yeah, he, he did make batting look easy. Um, but that wasn't the only time um, that he did, you know, a few innings. No, absolutely. He, he did that. You are getting, uh, it was a great series for you. Um, you you scored 107 in the next test, which forced a draw in the series. Must have been quite a crucial, obviously it's a crucial 100 there, otherwise you're, you're losing that series. Yeah, we were also saved by rain, if I remember okay. right. Um, in that test, so we, it was, it was on day five. Um, I think I got out and then we had... Number 10 came out to bat, I think it was Ian O'Brien, and we only had Chris Martin to go. Um, so we, I think we had about two hours to bat. And um, so if we, lo- if we lost one wicket, though, that was game over because I don't think Chris Martin would have hung around for too long. Yeah. Um, but, but Rain came in that day and, and saved us. Um, so it was nice to, nice to save that test, but um, ultimately, you know, India winning the series. And, um, but that was a, you know, that was a, Something I'll never forget, but it was also, you know, playing against some of my um, my idols growing up. Um, as I said, you know, Mark Wall was one of my favourite players, but um, to play against uh, Dravid and, and Tindalka, um, you know, that was probably one of the highlights of my career. And um, grew up watching them. And, um, I think I caught I caught Tindalka out a couple of times. I actually felt bad, um, but uh, it was it was nice to it was nice to you know tell the grandkids that. You know, you played against one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Here's a quick question for you: Who would you choose to bat at number eleven, Chris Martin or Courtney Walsh? <laughs> Courtney Walsh. What a leave! <laughs> the Courtney Walsh leave. It's a serious leave, Roscoe. You can't. Yeah, I'm I'd, glad you, I would have given the same answer. Courtney Walsh's leave. I, 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 I'm. I still haven't. I still haven't come up with anyone who's actually worse than Chris Martin at number eleven, unfortunately. <laughs> So you went on after that, and then you got you know you got you, you got put into captaincy. A, a kind of um, unusual circumstances. Um, you're playing in a an ODI series with the Aussies, um, and Daniel Vittori, I believe, pulled his neck muscle, and so you were uh, you were drafted into to captain the side. You you took to it very well. You uh, you scored seventy, and and New Zealand won by two wickets. But what's your memory of of getting that? I mean, it was only half an hour or so before the game, I believe. Yeah, so I got I got a call that morning um, from I think Mark Rabatch was the coach at the time, and he said, "Oh, Vittori's woken up with a stiff neck, so prepare to captain." Yeah, but we wanted to give Vittori as much time as possible, so it wasn't until probably an hour, mm-hmm. an hour before the game, and my first my first decision as captain was to to either go with Nathan McCullum or Scott Starris, and Coming from Nap, you know, coming from Napier, playing there a lot as a kid, it doesn't spin very often. So that was an easy decision, as far as I was concerned. Um, but it wasn't wasn't to it wasn't till um, the end of the game to make out that that was the best decision that I that I made. 
um, Scott Storis got 40 off 30 balls to, to win the game right at the end and hitting Mollinger for four and four and six where, um, you know, uh, you know, little things happen that you don't hear about, but that was one of the best, you know, decisions that I made. And because he was in and out of the team at the time, and um, from there he he came, you know, probably just needed a a bit of a kick at the backside, and the team gave him that. But then he took his opportunity, and you know, he he finished his career um, after that, um, and, and was a crucial player for us in twenty twenties and and one days, and, and saved us a lot, um, you know, even at World Cups as well. Yeah, no, great, great player. Reminds me of a wee bit, maybe not similar players, but kind of played a similar role to like a Craig McMillan. They just, you yep. didn't quite expect them to be that good, but he would come out and just, I mean, Craig McMillan's a perfect example. Sometimes you would think this guy's going to get out pretty quickly. And then his famous 100 against the Aussies. I mean, what a clean striker of a cricket ball he is. Yeah, he, um, I think they're both, you know, they're both, um, you know, bowl medium pace or, or Scott was actually a lot quicker than he sort of just came in. Um, you know, chubby, chubby Scott, I'd like to call him, um, and just come in and, and he, you know, he can, he can bowl a heavy delivery. And the thing about Scott is when he, when he did bowl a, hit, a fast delivery and it came up on the, on the scoreboard, how fast it was, he would tell everybody. Um, that is for sure. Um, you, uh, you, you served you, you as captain and, uh, and you, you captain New Zealand in all forms of the game. It must be a real proud thing for you as a person, for your family, that you know you this this five-year-old that picked up the bat with a dream went on to captain his country in every single format. Yeah, it was um, something that probably came a lot quicker than I was expecting. Um, was I ready? Um, I don't think you ever fully ready, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it probably brought the best out of me and and made, made that, I guess, raw um, player that went out and, and sort of just wanted to play. I, I probably learned to play the situation and, and be a lot more responsible um, in the way I, I went about my career um, as, as captain. But um, no, I, I have, you know, obviously there's a few low points, but, um, you know, the high, probably one of the highs as captain was, was winning, um, winning my, the first time a New Zealand team winning a test match in Australia, I think, um, and, and over 25-odd years. And um, as, as you go back to the, the conversation at the start, I think Australia is a, is a team that obviously one of the greatest teams um, consistently, but at the same time, tough to beat at home. And, uh, Absolutely. It was, nice for, it was nice for a little old New Zealand to go over there and, and beat them on their home turf, and especially... You know, it's nice to beat them in one-day cricket or 2020, but um, it's extra special to beat them uh, in two smash cricket. Well, I'm going to put this out there. Whenever the Kiwis play the Aussies, I always root for the Kiwis. I love to see the... <laughs> you know, you, but it's now coming to the point where you guys have actually started bringing in some bowlers that you maybe never had in the 90s. Um, you know, if you look at the Kiwi attack now, there's some boys, prop boys bowling, some, some serious gas in there, and I think it... It shows in the in recent World Cups as well, where you, you guys are now making the final. New Zealand were always famous for making the semi-final. And I think it was, always growing up, I thought your batting was great, but the bowling just didn't quite have the firepower of the other teams. Would you say you're quite comfortable now with going up against anybody that you've got just as quick, just, just as good bowlers as they do? Yeah, I think um, probably started, well, for my career, uh, started with Shane Bond, I think. Um, yeah. He came... He came on and he just gave us that impetus that um, we always faced as a opposition to you know as a opposition team facing 
you know, South Africa, England, Australia, India at times, their fast bowlers bowling 145 plus. But we we would always struggle to to do that, whether that was our conditions, knowing that, um, you know, someone could just come in and bowl, you know, 125, 130, make a career out of bowling on the, our green dibbly-dobbly wickets. Um, mm-hmm. But now, you know, Bolt, Southey, Wagner, Ferguson, you know, we've got a good crop of fast bowling. And I think it's not only the big boys that um, have made us a better team. I think it's been our depth that when one of them has got injured, the next player to come in, and Matt Henry, um, Adam Milne, I mean, I could go, the list goes on. Mitch McLennigan, all these guys have come in and succeeded straight away. And um, competition for spots has been fantastic. And, and I think that's probably been a big part of our success over the over the last 10 years. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You broke my heart, mate, 2011 World Cup. You shouldn't have really got the opportunity to break up, break our hearts because Cameron Ackwell should have caught you, from what, <laughs> if, I, if I remember correctly. But uh, you scored a fantastic 131 versus Pakistan. Um, you were you were dropped. I think it was Shoei Bakhtar. Uh, many say that Shoei Bakhtar didn't get to play the semi-final because he got spanked by you in that game. Whereas his argument always was, if, well, if the catch got taken, I wouldn't have went for that. But you, you, <laughs> took, to the, you took to your trademark Oberman wicket and you, 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 you smashed it um, on that day. Is that, is that a knock you remember fondly? Uh, yeah, it did. well, it was, it was my birthday. And I think for me, it was, a, it was a good innings because, well, a lucky innings, I suppose. Because I hadn't scored any runs for a long period of time. I had scored 50s, 60s, 70s. But I hadn't got a hundred for a while, and I think mm-hmm. it was start, I was starting to get a bit frustrated with um, with myself and um, not being as consistent or getting those runs that I would have liked. And um, yeah, getting dropped first ball on my birthday and a going for four um, in between um, Eunice Khan and, and Cameron Akmal, and um, I think I hit the next ball behind point for four, and then Nick the next Nick the next next ball straight to Cameron Akmal. Um, and he's just dropped a soda. So, um, no, I had to make them pay. And um, it's, it's definitely one of my more famous innings because the Pakistan fans come up to me and say they remember that innings and they'll never forget <laughs> it. And then the Indian fans come up to me and say, oh, we loved it when you smacked <laughs> Pakistan all over the place. So um, that's, that's the innings that um, people talk about the most in terms of Indian and Pakistan fans. Pakistani fans, but um, yeah, Cameron Akmal, and once again, every birthday since uh, I get um, Instagram and um, and Twitter messages saying happy birthday from Cameron Akmal. So, um, <laughs> social, social media can be it's a, it's a drop that lives on. It does, it does. It lives on in every Pakistani's Pakistani's heart. It lives on, like you said, every Indian's heart as well, from another point of view. But look. It doesn't say that in the scorebook. It says 131, um, and you you went on to play. You went on to play one of the great great ODI innings. Um, you then also went on and scored your fastest century, and again to do it against the Australians, 81 ball century. You know you like the Aussies, Roscoe. You like them. Oh, I don't. You never want to get too carried away, but um, no, that that was a. Um, I remember, I think I, I got dropped a couple of times that day too. A couple of easy ones, but... Um, I didn't know about that, mate. You didn't need to mention that. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it was... Um, so, 
But I, once again, I think once I got dropped a couple of times, I sort of, I just played with a bit of freedom and surprising how when you have a bit of luck and, and a bit of freedom that you can, can, you know, some, some of the shots that I played that day, I wouldn't have played if I hadn't got dropped. I don't think. So mm-hmm. it's just surprising how your career can take different paths and, and getting dropped uh, or, once again, I think I nicked one in between Watson and, and Ponting at first and second slip, and they just left it. So yeah. technically, that wasn't a drop, even though yeah. um, it was probably Ponting's catch. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, it's you know that seems like a long time ago now. Yeah. That's probably like is that like ten years ago? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's long. You know, it's a, it's a fair fair while ago. We're getting we're getting closer to closer to the two thousand twenty two thousand thirteen fourteen series. Um, you scored centuries in all three test matches versus the West Indies, including um, your first double century. What a series. You were seeing it all right during that series. Yeah, it was, um, it was one of the first times I had a, I'd been given a break, actually. Um, we'd had quite a busy winter program, and um, they gave us a, a little go away and, and, and have a break. And, and I worked with uh, Grant Bradburn for... Um, for a couple of weeks um, and it was just nice to quite often you tweak your, you tweak your game at trainings where here there was no games to there was no games to to train for so I could I could work on my technique and, and groove it for a good two or three weeks where you know don't I don't often get that so I, I put a lot down to that and, and my my practice leading into that um, but yeah once again I think I um, it was just a it was just a good series and once again, it was nice to get my first my first double century and um, and knock a knock a goal. I guess take a goal off um, along the way. It's funny you mentioned Grant Bradburn there. Uh, we, we we know well over these parts as well. He uh, famously coached us to, to a great victory against the English not too long ago. Is he is he is he, is he as good as as what uh, what it seemed when he was in Scotland? Is he just a, he seems like a very smart man. Yeah, no, he's, he was very good, and um, you know he's gone on to obviously do. I can remember watching that game too. It was a it was a fantastic game. I think I was in the I was at um, at Sussex. I think at the time it was a it was a great it was a great victory. But um, no, he's gone on. Uh, I think he was very close to getting a New Zealand job uh, not so long ago, and, and obviously had some success with uh, the Pakistan team at the moment with um, yeah you know, as their as their fielding coach not so long ago. So uh, no, he he was been great for us and I think he's had a, a big influence um, on on a lot of the Northern Districts players where he was uh, the first class coach for um, for quite a few years. Yep, cool, cool. Australia again, 2015. Some say, and um, you've mentioned a few times earlier that you've probably batted probably one of the best in some of the innings that we've already mentioned, but you, uh, you scored a 290 against the Aussies in a test match. I remember it. I watched pretty much the whole innings. Um, you broke all sorts of records in that knock as well. Highest NZ, sco- NZ player scoring away test matches. Um, you reached, I believe, 5,000 runs, the fastest to get there from New Zealand. You know, what What, do you know, what did you have for your breakfast that day? Plenty of water, I reckon. Yeah, well, um, I just... It was my first series back after I... Um, I, I got hit in the box and, and had to have an operation and in Zimbabwe, um, okay. Sodi. Um, so that was uh, that was an interesting operation to have overseas. And um, I can, I'm sure, as every cricketer knows, getting in the box is not a, a pleasant experience. 
No. But, um, you know, having Mitchell Johnson steaming in and, and aiming it in that region, um, the first test I, I really struggled and it was the first time that I noticed that I, I wasn't really picking the ball up that well. Um, mm-hmm. So I went and saw an eye specialist and they gave me some drops and said, you're going to probably need an operation on your eye um, in the next, you know, 12 months um, to remove the pterygium. Uh, so I got it, I got it done. I, I got some eye drops and... Whether it worked or not, it just gave me uh, a sense of, um, I, I probably just a placebo to feel that I um, was seeing the ball better. And, um, one thing I do remember about that, it was, it was 41 degrees nearly every day. Um, but one of the proudest moments was, was not only to be the first Kiwi to get 200, but um, was to bat a day for the first time in my career. I never, I never thought I'd be able to do that. Um, but uh, to take that off and to, to bat a whole day, um, and that and that heat against that bowling lineup, um, you know, something uh, or something, I, I suppose I'll look back on and, and be proud of. So is it just a, to get that many runs? I mean, there's there's not many that reach 290, 300 plus. There's only a fair, there's only a few that have done it in the in the history of the game. How did, did you did you when you got to 100? Were you were you just were you going in 50s or or was it the latter part of your innings just kind of just on moment? What what was going through your head? Were you really believing that you were going to go on to score that many runs? No, not at all. Um, I think, I, as I said, I struggled in the last test. Um, we'd been in the field the whole time and we were... I think we were, they got 560. So, you know, we were far behind the game. We were a long way yeah. behind the game. And, um, I was 26 overnight, so the next day, it was just all our plan was to try and keep Australia out there as long as possible. If we, if they don't, you know, if we can keep them out there till at least the last session and and avoid the follow-on, um, then then we're a chance. And and I think probably because Australia had got five fifty, we always knew, you know, we we always knew we were that far behind the game that um, you know every run was crucial to try and get as close to them. Where by the end of it. Um, we got ourselves in a position to maybe even win the test match because I think we ended up getting 100 runs ahead of them um, mm-hmm. and, you know, putting pressure back on them from a from a pretty dire situation being two for two for not many to, to being able to put the pressure back on them. And, and I think because the game situation dictated that, it's, that was probably the focus uh, more so than, you know, the, the runs in itself. Mm-hmm. I think in that we talked about records there. I think you and Kane might have broke a par- broke a partnership record in that one as well. Yeah, I think um, I think we I think we beat our we had a we had a Sri Lankan record. I think we we got two seventy odd in Sri Lanka, and then I think we got two seventy odd two seventy nine or something that day. Yeah, it's not bad going. You must have good chat with each other in the middle. Oh well, there's not there's not a lot going. Kane doesn't like little, to say too much. Just a little fist pump. Just a little fist pump. Just keep going, mate. Yep. Yeah. That's about that. Just, just checking in. Kane knows what he's doing. Yep. Good. Good. Good to hear. <laughs> South Africa, 2017, uh, 17th ODI century, taking over the great Nathan Astle, who had 16 great ODI player um, for New Zealand. Again, another very proud moment. Yeah, he. Um, I was a little bit. Uh, I was a little bit embarrassed that day because I I did it in Christchurch. Um, but yeah, he was a he was a guy I looked up to, and and as a kid growing up in New Zealand, and it was a little bit. I suppose records of being there to broke 
to break them. But um, you know, it was nice to to get there. But at the same time, you know, to take it off someone that you admired was a little bit, um, you know, a little bit different and a little bit, you know, it's hard to find a word for it. But um, at the same time, I think it was my first ODI hundred against South Africa too. So um, it was nice to nice to be able to tick that off as as well. And you and the same, uh, you were the quickest batsman um, to six thousand ODI runs in New Zealand. I mean, these are these are serious records now. You know, you're, you you are now classified. You've not retired yet. It's still a good few years yet left <laughs> yet. But you know, you're you're already in you're already in legendary status with the with the with the records you're knocking off. Are these? Do you think these will be something you look back on, or you, you don't think about them too much just now? I think um, uh, my mentor Martin Crow. Uh, He'd been my mentor since 20, uh, 2006, and he, what he installed in me was, um, you know, to set goals and um, and try and beat records um, and set the set the bar high for guys to come in and, and try and, I guess, um, beat them in time. Records are meant to be broken, and I yep. think with Kane coming along, uh, you know, Kane's going to beat um, I mean, all the records that I come up with. Um, yeah, but at the same time as. It's making making Kane, you know, you know, beat them and and set set the bar for the next guy to come in and and hopefully beat in time and um, you know if that can if that can help then um, you know all bodes well for for New Zealand cricket going going forward in the future. Yeah, I mean you're both fantastic role models for for the next generation coming through. I'm sure there's already plenty of, plenty of lads coming through that want to be the next Ross Taylor, the next uh, next Kane Robinson. You had the likes of Martin Crow to look up to, Stephen Fleming would have been, you know, these kind of guys. You need these, you need these people to to, to to set the benchmark. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what how many you go on to get, and then just sit back and see how long it takes Kane to to come up close to it because he's obviously he's, he's ticking on well. You're also the sixth player in history to score ODI centuries against all play, Test playing nations, and you're the first from New Zealand again. Coming back to something I said earlier, that you you know a lot of players you look at their record and it, it shows they might be playing in I don't know Australia at the time or South Africa and they'll say oh this player particularly struggles when he's playing against South Africa he scores loads of runs against this country or that country but again to score an ODI century against every Test playing nation which would have included fast bowlers great spin talent is that something you again were consciously always thinking about that I need to find a way to score runs against every single type of, every single nation in every single condition? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you, especially when you come over here, you play in the different leagues, and, and that's quite often a question that um, young players will ask me, you know, how do you play in different conditions? And um, I guess that's a challenge of an international player, is you always know your home conditions very well, and I'm sure, you know, 80, 90% of um, cricketers succeed in their own conditions, but it's a testament that if you can score runs overseas and, and score that consistently. And, you know, I, I probably still would like to score a lot more runs overseas, but, um, you know, it's nice to to test yourself out in different conditions. But at the same time, as your career and your your technique and your experience grows, that you, you learn to bat in these different conditions. Because how you bat in, in even India is going to be different to how you bat in Bangladesh. But until you get into those situations um, and fail, I suppose, um, you learn for next time. Yeah, no, it's wise words for uh, for youngsters youngsters coming through. Um, England 2018, um, another century. May honestly, when I was looking through this, I was just like, this, you know, 
Ross come on century after century after century. You know, I want to I want to set you some targets at the end of this podcast. I think you should go on to score like another. I think a goal should be another t- ten centuries for you in all, in all formats. I think it's doable <laughs> before you hang the boots up. But you you were also again the third the the third New Zealand cricketer to score seven thousand runs in the ODI format. Again, it's just quality. The fact that I'm, I've not touched on T20 too much. I'm going to touch on it at the end. But I mean, you're successful in T20 cricket as well. Obviously, you don't have quite enough time to be banging centuries regularly. But the fact that you've you've you've, you've stayed in such a long career and scored consistently in ODIs and Test cricket, it, it must be something that that just kind of makes you feel like I'm a true batsman. You know, if you score Test runs, you're a true batsman. Um, and you you seem to be able to just jump. From each format to format, uh, and still, still do, still, still perform. Yeah, I think, um, and what I've said to the coach, I think it, it does help when you actually play all all the formats. I think, um, you know, you stay in, you stay in the setup. You you you're training to a very specific, and um, you're getting quality bowls bowling at you. Where even if you dropped out of one of the formats, say you you didn't play twenty twenties. You have to go back and play domestic cricket where the resources aren't as much as the international setup. You're not, you can't yep. have, you can't have nets for an hour, hour and a half. You're, you know, sometimes you're only dealing with throwdowns. So, it definitely, if, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like um, playing international cricket has definitely helped out, and it's become easier the more you play to get used to it. Where you know, at the start of my career, to play a test match, and then a one day. The following week was quite tough, or vice versa. Play a, a one day, and then in Test match cricket, four days. Go from a twenty twenty mindset to a Test mindset became quite um, tough, and I, and I think it still is quite tough. Where I think my record in the second Test of a Test series is always better than my first. So uh, maybe I'm a slow learner, but um, I, I'm, I, it's probably a bit of both in, in terms of learning to deal with it quickly. But um, you know, it is tough to, to, to change between formats. Here's a quick question for you. You're obviously a really successful T20 franchise cricketer. I mean, you've been playing playing in the IPL now for 10 years. You're you're obviously sitting in the, the lovely Caribbean right now, about to about to start in a tournament out there. But what I love about you as a cricketer is you've never left your your roots and you know Test cricket even to this day seems like it's very important to you. You know, it's still in my from my point of view, the best form of cricket is Test cricket. It, What's your view on that? Do you think there's a fine line between T20 cricket and Test cricket? Because I think we have been starved a bit of seeing some of the best players from all the countries playing in Test cricket. Because I'm not going to not going to name any, but because of T20 franchise cricket. Um, yeah, and no, I think um, it's understandable too. I feel, especially for a bowler, I feel you know it's to bowl in Test cricket is very tough on the body, and and if you can retire from test cricket and give yourself an extra two or three years of franchise cricket to to set yourself up for after cricket, then you're not going to have any complaints from me. Yeah. So I think, you know, in terms of ICC and, and home boards, it's probably easier with the countries that get paid a lot of money where, mm-hmm. you know, some of the boards that don't pay their players as well or is not as financially um, wealthy as, as some of the others. Um, you know, the other players who who have to supplement their income and play in the, the franchise leagues. But um, no, I, these franchise leagues are, are great fun to play in. And, and it's not about just coming over here and, and having a whack. It's it's about doing well for your team and um, and learning as well. You know, you, you learn to play in these different conditions. You're picking brains of, 
of some of the great players in, in the countries that you're playing in uh, and giving yourself knowledge for when you do go back uh, to these parts of the world. But here I am in Trinidad in isolation, got four more days to go. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to um, to playing some 2020 cricket and playing some cricket in general because it's, yeah. it has been a while and, and I'm sure the, the world will be looking forward to watching some 2020 cricket as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, I, as I've seen, I've, I've watched the test matches, England against West Indies and Pakistan, but um, it's been a while since anyone's seen any, any white ball test match cricket. Uh, yeah, no, it's, cricket. I think, I think we're, all, we're, all, we're, we're all looking forward to seeing some, uh, some T20 action. 2019 World Cup, um, it's kind of a bittersweet this one for you. The last two World Cups have been a, a bit of a bittersweet for the, for the Kiwis. You, you've, you've kind of become the... South Africa always get knocked out in the semi-final. <laughs> that used to happen to you boys, but you've mastered it now, how to get to the final. But unfortunately, the last couple of finals, look, you were bloody unlucky at Lords. I mean, I had you banked in, you, you had won that game. Um, What's your... What's your, I mean, how do you, do you still do you still wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and say, ah, oh, bloody hell, how do we have the other line there? I know the, the other the other final against the Aussies, unfortunately, didn't quite go to plan. Brendan McCullum was having a great World Cup and got out early to start, um, and that meant you know you were you were up against it a little bit. But this one in a, in England, you must have thought we're, we're we're going to win this one. Um, yeah, I think we probably played our final against South Africa uh, in the twenty fifteen. Um, you know, we played all our games in in New Zealand and then to fly over to Australia, different time zone, you know, it's just, I guess, it's strange. Um, and we were completely outplayed and in uh, that. But then I think, um, I think we got a lot of, um, we learned a lot about, our, you know, ourselves as a team from losing that final. And I think that put us in good stead for the final that, you know, we had been to the final. We knew the pressures that came with it. There were still probably five or six guys who had played in the final in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we were overawed um, by that. But, you know, it's always tough when you play the home nation in the final in their own conditions. But I think the big thing about that game was, um, you know, winning the toss and, and just putting a score on the board. And I think we did that. We are probably still, I thought, probably five or ten short in that. Would have liked to have got to 250. But, um, you know, at the end of the day... Um, there were so many, so many moments during that final. Um, it could have gone either way. Um, you know, it was, you know, probably took me, probably took me about a week to get my sleeping patterns right. Uh, I bet. After, I bet. after after that, um, some guys a lot longer, and some guys are probably still, still holding on to it. Um, you know, over a year past, but. Um, no, I think I've just been fortunate enough to play in two World Cup finals. Um, you know, as an MCC young cricketer, you know, if I'd played five test matches, I probably would have been satisfied. But to have gone on and played two World Cup finals in front of 90,000 people at the MCG and at, um, against England in England um, at the home of cricket, uh, to take it to a super over and, um, you know, obviously... And lose, and and lose, by, and and lose by this much. I don't want to yeah, say it, but right. literally that much. Well, it was a draw, wasn't it? Um, but no, nah, that's... Uh. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got... Yeah, no, you know, that, 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 I don't... I, I, my thoughts exactly. My thoughts exactly. But, um, I, I did think it was a draw. But, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. But what do you think? Or can, can, we, can we see Ross Taylor in one more World Cup? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say no. I think, um, if anything, COVID-19's prolonged my career a little bit. I mean, I probably... 
I find it easier to play cricket and, and stay in the groove. So that from a body point of view, it's definitely slowed down a little bit, but my mind is probably yeah. as fresh as, as ever. So, um, no, a lot of people tell me you're a long time retired. And um, as long as I'm still enjoying myself, um, still scoring runs and, and still being able to contribute and, and um, you know, deserve my spot in the team, then, um, you know, I, I always enjoy playing in, Indi- in India and, um, you know, if I can and the body can hold up, then I would think uh, the 2023 World Cup in India wouldn't be a bad place to, to finish your career. Yeah, no, uh, let's, let's just, let's just, bank, let's just pen, pen that in now. Let's see you in the <laughs> 2023. We'd love to see Kiwis uh, get over the line in the final. If Pakistan don't win it, we'd love to see, uh, love to see, love to see your, your boys win it. Um, I just want to... What about, Scot- what about Scotland? You know, that's a, that's a good point. I guess I'm just accepting that we're not going to probably get to that stage of the World Cup. One day, maybe. You know, you never know. Things are changing. What's your thoughts on the World Cup? I know you. You know, you th- do you think we should see more teams in it? Do you enjoy playing against all these other countries? I personally, obviously, think a World Cup should be. If you watch the football World Cup, the rugby World Cup, you see so many small nations come up, and I think cricket is actually one now that the gaps. I'm not. It's closing a little bit. I mean, it's it's, it's just shown. Ireland have beat England there, Scotland beat England, and, you know, there's been a couple of victories along the way by the associate countries. You know, would you like to see more of them play in the World Cup? Yeah, it was, I'm probably going to sit on the fence here a little bit, but I, I, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the 2019 World Cup because you played everybody. Um, it just felt, it felt really good that you, the best teams were able to play in the playoffs. It wasn't two sides of a draw and then it came through. I don't think you can say many World Cups that you can play everyone in the in the competition. So from that point of view, I yep. really want, I would really like um, that format to stay. But then there's a, the other yep. side of that where I feel like, um, you know, being able to add a few more teams wouldn't be bad. But then obviously with the time constraints, you wouldn't be able to um, to do that. So I, I think I think that's where the 2020 World Cup becomes important. And you know, we need. We need 16, 18, 20 teams to be playing in that to, yeah. you know, I think, you know, one day cricket is the, the teams can play. I think those um, those teams can beat the team in one-off games every now and then. But I think it's going to be easier mm-hmm. for those teams going forward to, um, to upset the big boys a bit more often in a 2020 game than a, than a one-day game, I think, going forward. In the I agree. Year. I agree. And then do you think maybe they could even have it like, depending on how well those teams do in the T20, decides on whether they get into the next World Cup, maybe take two of those teams or, because you can't take all of them, maybe you're saying it would become too many, but maybe at least if some of them make the group stages or something and they get through their group, they should be rewarded for that by going into a World Cup. There needs to be some sort of, I think, system that allows these countries to, to play yeah. in, the, in, the, in the 50 over World Cup as well. Because I, um, I think there is a qualifying series, because I think West Indies... Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Uh, oh, actually, I don't even know if Bangladesh played in it. I think it might have been Sri Lanka and, and West Indies. So, I think that was there was a there was a t- there was a there was a tight um, tight game there. I think that no, I think uh, it was the know, West Indies. It was the West Indies got just over the line against Scotland. There was an LB. Scotland lost a wicket just before Duckworth Lewis. Otherwise, Scotland went to the World Cup. The West Indies yeah. went through. So, so I think. So I think from that point of view, there is still room for. For that to happen, and um, you know, you know, 
if that had happened, then the West Indies wouldn't have been at the World Cup and we might not have seen that amazing Brathwaite inning. But then that's not... I mean, that's not... That's not that's something we don't want to see either. I don't think you, you don't want to see the men from the Caribbean not a World Cup. So I think it's the fine line of how you're going to do this. I think um, you don't want to lose the, the big famous playing nations out of a World Cup, but you don't want to close the door on the smaller nations either who are striving to, to compete with the big boys. And I definitely think slightly the gap is, you know, it's, there's more chance of them beating a team now. Whereas in the 92 World Cup, 99 World Cup, when teams were just coming in, I think it was very unlikely that it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a mismatch. Just finishing your international career, as of June 2020, the boy that would have been happy playing five test matches, um, you've now played 433 international matches, 101 test matches, 232 ODIs, 100 T20s, you've scored 17,717 runs in international cricket, 7,239 in tests, 8,569 in ODIs, and you're knocking on the door of 2,000. You've got about Another, I know, right, but another 90 runs in T20s to you get all the line into to 2000. You've made 40 international centuries, 19 in tests, and 21 in ODIs. Not too shabby, mate, from the guy that I met all those years ago um, at the MCC Young Cricketers. Are you, they, are did, they you, did you think that was going to happen? If I'm being honest, Seeing you play in the first, I'm going to be honest with you, mate. I can't like seeing you play in the first maybe six, seven games I played with you. I thought this guy's not that good. But I thought for a New Zealander he'd be a lot. I thought for a New Zealander he'd be a lot better. Um, but then you scored that. You scored a hundred that I remember when you were whacking it against Bucks, and I thought this guy looks. You know, he's, he's got something about him. But no, I didn't think Ross Taylor now. Back then, well, neither did, neither, neither did be I. We'd be sitting with those numbers. And you know, I'm proud. I'm proud to say it. And I think there's still life in the life in the old dog yet. Why not? Why not you you push on for 50? I did say 10 more. So you're on 40. <laughs> so if you could get 50 international centuries, mate, that would be unbelievable. Jeez. Like you know, phenomenal, phenomenal. Would you? Are you sat where you're sat now? You you must be very satisfied with those numbers. Yeah, I think I've still got I've still got a few goals that I would like to achieve um, in in years to come. Hopefully, but uh, no, it would be nice to, to I don't know, maybe get to 10,000 one day runs. Yeah. Eight, nine, I don't know, depending on, on test cricket, depending on how long. I think, you know, as you get on, you, you're probably going to have to be smarter in the, in the way you go about um, games and things like that and pulling back a little bit to, to conserve the body. But um, no, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of goals that I'd like to achieve. And, you know, it'd be nice be nice at the end of it to give something for Kane to chase and um, and then you know once my career is finished for Kane to set the benchmark for, for the next youngster who probably um, you know is probably at uh, primary school now exactly uh, can, can come and uh, beat it in, in years to come in years to come listen great great career to date long, long, long way to go I've got four quick fire questions for you and then if you could just stay online for one minute after we finish recording, that, that, that would be awesome. I know you're, you've got to, get to the, got to get to the gym. You've kindly given me a, some nice time in, your, in the afternoon. My first question to you is, who's the best bowler you've faced in your career? Uh, I'd say Murley or Malinga would be uh, pretty two of the best. Is that, is that, has that got a lot to do with the fact that they're both very unconventional? I think so. If you have a unique action, it's just yeah, it just takes a just takes a little bit more to get used to. 
Yeah. The best cricketer you've played against and with. Oh. What they've turned out to be or at the peak of their powers? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, at the peak. I would, I would say, I would say at the at the peak, or 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 when what they've turned out to be. I mean, whatever. I think, whatever um, you wish. I, think um, I think the best player that I saw at the peak of their powers was um, probably Ponting. Yeah. Um, I think Ponting at the start of my career, you know, he was he used to score runs of fun against New Zealand, and um, you know, he made batting look easy. Um, but the, the you know the best player. That I played with, he probably wasn't at the peak of his powers when I played with him. But you know, Virat Kohli at Bangalore, you knew that there was um, a talented player there, and what he's gone on to achieve over the over his career to date, um, and the records that he's going to break in, in years to come is going to be phenomenal. But um, he had the work ethic and the and the hunger back in Bangalore um, all those years ago, um, and yeah, he once again, a bit like Ponting, um, he scores runs for fun and, and makes. Batting look very, very easy most of the time. Yeah. Um, advice for any young cricketers wanting wanting to become professional cricketers. What 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 would you say to them? Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, continue to learn and just enjoy yourself. I think um, you know, give everything a go, and um, nothing better than playing a game of cricket for a living um, that you enjoy and. At the end of the day, it's not really a job. Yeah, no, I think it's it's, uh, it's the best way. Don't put too much don't put too much pressure on the shoulders. Just uh, it's the love of the game. What does the future hold then for Ross Taylor? I mean, you've got I reckon you're you're same age as me, so you're, or you might have, you might have turned already. You're thirty six now. Thirty six, yeah. Yeah, so thirty six now. Um, what? Where do you see yourself? What? Where do you see yourself playing on until? Well, two thousand and twenty three is a great. Is a great benchmark for you to set. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess you've got to, is it realistic? I, I hope so. Uh, but 2023, I think, um, is, is a goal. It's, it's a little bit far-fetched, but if you can, you know, as I said, um, a year when, every year as you get a bit older, um, I guess I've never wanted to make a decision about retirement on emotion, um, you know, one bad series or things like that. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully I can continue to improve and, and want to improve. And I think if you can do that, then then all bodes well um, for for wanting to continue to play this game, crew. Do you see yourself transitioning and staying in the game and transitioning into coaching, or is Ross Taylor want to do something totally different? Uh, yeah, I think you know, as I've got older, I've looked into a lot of different things, and um, you know, the game of cricket's been really good to me, and um, you know, I don't think the game of cricket would be lost completely, but. At the same time, it has been my life for for close on 20 years, and it'd be nice to, to go on and, and do something different. But um, no, but at the same time, I, I don't think I'll be too far away in, in whatever capacity. Look, I just want to say, obviously, stay on light for one minute afterwards. But I just want to say, you know, uh, it's been a, it's been what 20, 15, 17, 18 years. Since uh, since played with you at Lordsley MCC Young Cricketers, it's phenomenal what you've what you've achieved in your career, and I, and I hope you you go on to do lots lots more. Uh, best of luck in the, the upcoming uh, tournament that you're about to partake in in the Caribbean. Uh, keep a safe social distance at all times, and you know look after yourself, stay healthy, keep the face mask on. I'm sure they're quite they're quite don't know how strict they are out there. I know in some other sports it's like a 
you have have you got it there in the background? Right, we've got, got boxes of them, mate. Boxes of them. Boxes of them. Mate, every time I leave the house to go to the shop, I keep, I've only got one. I could do what you're posting me one of them because I, I, leave it the, I leave it in the house and then I've, I've got, I get to the shop and the guy reminds me, listen, mate, you're not coming in. It's like getting to a nightclub when you're 16, trying to get into a nightclub when, when you're two years too young. You need to leave a, you need to leave a few on the car then. I, I, that's, that's the plan moving forward. Or I might just give you my postal address when we get off and you can send me, send me one of those boxes over. But thank you very much, mate. Greatly appreciated. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, man.